When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Let me make sure that my backdrop is perfectly designed. There we go. Hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. Bunch of stories to dive into. Uh, But I want to start right off the top here with The NHL has found itself, courtesy of the Philadelphia Flyers, in the midst of a huge gay pride LGBTQ controversy. How do we get here? How did the NHL, whose base of support is, frankly, as I said earlier, if I were stereotyping the average NHL fan in America, I would say he lives in the Midwest, is probably 30 to 40 pounds overweight, loves beer, wildly politically incorrect, um, and in general thinks about transgender issues and LGBTQ-related issues zero minutes of his day, all right? Yet the NHL recently tweeted out out of nowhere Trans women are real women, and I'm paraphrasing. That was basically what the NHL decided to tweet, which, by the way, isn't true, okay? It isn't true. Um, You can choose your gender. I think you should be able to choose your race. Doesn't mean it's real, right? Like, when you were in high school and somebody dressed up every day like a vampire and made their face really white and dressed all in black and said, I'm depressed, you didn't also have to believe that they fed on blood exclusively and otherwise would uh, would would die, right? Or that they were immortal or that you couldn't see their picture in the mirror. They dressed up like a vampire. They were goth. So they're right. It makes them happier, more power to them. But you didn't have to pretend they were actual vampires, right? This is craziness. So, men can't get pregnant. There are men. There are women. At birth, doctors get the gender right, right? I've been in the birthing room. Been fortunate to have three boys. The doctor has looked down three different times and said, it's a boy. I'm sure if I had a girl, doctor would have looked down three different times and said, it's a girl, all right? Kind of no, right? Not an expert. Didn't get my MD, but all three times that I was in the birthing room when we had children, I said, yeah, it's a boy. Pretty confident that's a penis. That's a boy, all right? So this whole idea that the NHL needs to get involved in transgender issues is crazy, right? If you're an adult, you want to change your gender, fine. If you're an adult, you want to change your race, fine. If you're an adult, you want to pretend you're a vampire, fine. Whatever, okay? You do what makes you happy. But... This idea that everybody has to celebrate something. This is important because we've moved from, hey, where I am, right? 
you make your life choices as an adult, I'll make mine. And I want you to be as happy as you possibly can be. I am very live and let live. If you decide you want to sleep with dudes and you're also a dude, more power to you. I genuinely don't care. In fact, plot twist, cheat code. When I was in college, do you know what I recognized? So for all the heterosexual guys out there who maybe haven't had this light bulb moment, the more gay dudes there are, the less competition for women there is. Like, I've never understood why straight men are threatened by gay men. Gay men cancel each other out of competition for women. I went to college at GW, George Washington University. Washington, D.C. has a huge gay population. We had a ton of gay people at GW. I was all in favor of as many gay dudes as possible because then they can run off and do their gay stuff, be happy, live their best life. And all the girls are looking around like there's hardly any straight dudes left. I'm the straight dude. That benefits me. I want there being more gay dudes. I'll be, you know, if, if it were like nine gay dudes and me and the world came to a close and there were a thousand straight women, I like my odds. I just do. So anyway, you live your life, I'll live mine. If you're gay, more power to you. Sleep with whoever you want. If you're an adult, uh, no problems whatsoever with adults making adult life choices. Consenting adults can do what consenting adults want to do. But there's a difference between being like, hey, you do what you want to do and I'm going to celebrate what you do. Right? There's a big difference. And so we've moved from, hey, you make your life choice and I'll make my life choice to, hey, we are going to celebrate what you do. I am so proud that you bang dudes that I'm going to dress differently to support you banging dudes. I am so much in favor of women, I am really kind of in favor of this, making out that I'm going to just, it's kind of a difficult argument because if you told me, hey, the rainbow only supports hot chicks making out with each other, I'd be like, yeah, maybe I'll wear the rainbow. I would probably wear the uh, the rainbow. I just I don't care enough one way or the other, but I certainly understand why people out there say, "Hey, I don't want to be forced to do anything." My co-host on radio just a few minutes ago, Buck Sexton, he was like, "I voted for Trump. If you told me that in order to go to a Trump rally, I had to wear a MAGA hat, I wouldn't want to do that." I'm similar. I don't want to be told what to do. Okay, so. I respect the fact that Ivan Provorov, whose name I may be mispronouncing, he's Russian, he said that because of his religion, he didn't want to wear the uh, gay pride uniform. And I guess they were wearing them out for a skate around. And everybody lost their mind in the left-wing media. Now, sports media. I've been telling you this for a long time. Sports media is far left-wing biased, even more than political media, even more than culture media, more than any other media outlets out there. And I knew as soon as I saw this story that it was going to be a huge controversy. And of course, the ESPN lead hockey writer is like, well, he wore the military support uniform. Well, yeah, that's different. You don't have to support everything, right? Like you can say, hey, I support the military and I want to celebrate what they do. And I don't want to celebrate gay lifestyle or transgender people, right? Like, that's not really that complicated. Yet, 
it's not acceptable. It is unacceptable for many people out there, the left wing in this country. I give credit to the Flyers. I give credit to the Flyers coach. I give credit to anybody out there who said, hey, you know what? I may be gay, but I don't think that people should have to celebrate my lifestyle. Some people said that. I don't think that acceptance and celebration are the same thing. There are lots of things you can be okay with people choosing to do in their own life and not want to make a big deal of celebrating it. I'll give you an example. I'm okay with Ukraine defending their borders from Russian invasion. I don't really want to wear a Ukraine flag because I don't really celebrate Ukraine. I don't live there. If Zelensky were to get a bust in the United States, I would say, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why we're putting up statues to foreign leaders. doesn't mean that I'm opposed to Ukraine. I certainly even support their defense of their borders. doesn't mean that I want to go to war over them. doesn't mean that I want to spend $100 billion necessarily to support it. Does that make sense? We have conflated the idea of supporting something, supporting someone's right to do something, and outwardly saying, I celebrate what you're doing, right? There's a difference between permit and allowing something and being forced to say, oh, I think this is happening and it's a superb thing and I want to endorse it with every fiber of my being. And, and, and it's been very consistent, but overwhelmingly we move from, we're going to do this and we have to be allowed to do it, to if you don't praise this, you are a bigot. It's amazing how quickly that shift happens. The slippery slope is real. I hope every gay person in America is happy. I'm fine with gay people getting married. I'm fine with gay people doing whatever makes them happier. But I also don't have any problem at all with Ivan Provorov being like, yeah, not really that much of a LGBTQ guy. They got asked an interesting question recently. One of my kids said, When I see a rainbow now, I think about gay people because gay people have taken over the rainbow as their uh, official sort of designated symbol. And he said to me in our conversation, he said, do you think of the rainbow and its association with gay people? I said, no. His mom was also in the car. She was like, no, I really don't. Because when we were kids growing up, I thought of a rainbow as, oh, there's a rainbow. I wonder if there's a pot of golden leprechauns at the end of it. Or, oh, there's a rainbow. That's really pretty. Roy G. Biv, that's all the colors of the rainbow, right? And I do think it's interesting the degree to which we've allowed the co-opting of certain opinions in our country to exist and then accelerated it towards there's only one acceptable opinion. I can see clearly how Ivan Provorov can say what he said. I also think there's a lot of people who agree with him and just say, you know what, it's not worth the battle, right? I think that's probably the majority of hockey players. I bet the majority of hockey players are like, yeah, I don't really want to wear this LGBTQ uniform, but I also don't want to deal with the certain storm of outrage and indignation that I will get if I choose not to wear it. So most people just meekly meekly acquiesce and go along with whatever the prevailing current is because they don't really want to create a stir 
because they really just want to play hockey and they don't want to suddenly have 20 different reporters surrounding them, berating them about their choice and lecturing them about why their choice is unacceptable. So that's my take on it. I also, from a pure business perspective, do not understand the NHL's recent decisions. I don't understand why they're having an employment fair in Florida that bans white people that Ron DeSantis had to call out and effectively make them cancel. I don't understand why they're saying something which is factually untrue, which is that trans women are real women. That isn't true, right? That is a falsehood. You can identify as a woman. You are not a real woman. Men cannot get pregnant, right? Biology is real. And why in the world is the NHL choosing individual teams, that is, choosing to have gay hockey nights? Are gay people not welcome at NHL games now? Is there some massive discrimination that gay people are facing when they try to come watch hockey games? I just, I again, there is a... Uh, there is a degree of uniparty that demands that everyone have the same opinion. And if you question it at all, if you're the tiny bit rebellious, even if you agree, I like Buck Sexton's example of, hey, if you voted for Trump and you say you have to wear a hat to go to a rally, I wouldn't want to do that, right? I'm a nonconformist in general. I don't like being told what I have to do anywhere. I mean, you're looking at a guy who wears t-shirts and shorts pretty much all the time. So... I just would encourage you all to think about that. Um, Nate Oates, awful story out of Alabama. Alabama basketball player over the weekend allegedly murdered a woman in Tuscaloosa. He's then kicked off the basketball team. Alabama last night against Vanderbilt played their first game since that murder and arrest of a former player. Nate Oates, who is the head coach of Alabama, said that he really had a lot of difficulty figuring out how to talk to his team about it. So he called Ray Lewis because Ray Lewis has a daughter that went to the University of Alabama. Ray Lewis, memorably, was charged with two counts of homicide for a murder that happened in the uh, Buckhead area around Atlanta during the Super Bowl uh, when the Titans and the Rams played in that, uh, in that game. Allegedly, two guys stabbed to death. Ray Lewis was charged with murder, put on trial. After the trial started, he flipped, testified against two of his co-defendants. The jury acquitted them. No one has ever been found guilty in that case of that double homicide. It's still open in Atlanta. Those two men were stabbed to death. They were murdered. And no one has ever been held accountable for that murder. Of all the people that you could call, Nate Oates decided to call Ray Lewis to talk to him about how to talk with his team about having a teammate who was a murderer? Did he not have OJ's number? This is a level of dumb that I would think every coach in America would be smarter than to do this. And then even if you did call Ray Lewis to go out and use it as an example of who you were talking to to try to figure out how to better talk to your team is just next level dumb. I hope the victim here gets justice, but my goodness, Nate Oates, just do a little bit of basic research when you try to figure out who to talk to. Maybe don't talk to a man arrested for double murder 
who may well have gotten away with double murder as someone who is a paragon of virtue to help you better able to talk to your team. Um, Dan Snyder in uh, Washington. There is pressure on Dan Snyder to sell the commanders. Now, I don't understand this pressure, okay? There's this idea out there that has taken root that forcing someone to sell a team and make billions of dollars off their purchase is in some way a real gotcha moment. Got to tell you something. I've sold a business. It wasn't for a billion dollars. Selling a business and making a lot of money on a business, it's not a punishment. I would gladly own and sell any pro sports franchise in the world, even if I were being forced to do so, and I hate to be forced to do things, if I was going to make billions of dollars on it, I would consider it to be a win. So like everybody else, there's like, sell the team. It's basically like chanting, get way richer. It just doesn't, it's like, it's like the most futile attempt to try and taunt, hey, get way richer. If you just replace sell the team with get way richer, it's like, man, this is really a pathetic chant. Um, but Daniel Snyder, who is purportedly considering selling his Washington Commanders team for potentially five, six, seven billion dollars, he is going to make billions of dollars. Um, Dan Snyder is not willing to sell the team according to reports to Jeff Bezos, who owns certainly a large percentage of Amazon, the founder of Amazon, but also Washington Post owner. And I don't blame him. Because if you're Dan Snyder and you think the Washington Post has unfairly covered you and your team during your tenure as the owner of the Washington Commanders, I can certainly understand why, in your opinion, you'd be like, screw him. I'll take a little bit less money and not sell my team to Jeff Bezos because so far Jeff Bezos has not bid on the Washington Commanders. And if Jeff Bezos runs the Washington Commanders as badly as he has run the Washington Post, effectively he will destroy the Washington Commanders in the process. Of course, the big takeaway here is, to my knowledge, no one who has ever brought a pro sports franchise has ever actually lost money because It's almost a license to print money. Effectively, a pro sports franchise, I've been making this argument for a long time, is a painting, right? Super rich dudes pay tons of money for paintings so they can hang it on the wall so everybody can realize how rich they are. That's basically what a pro sports franchise is. You don't buy a painting because you're immediately trying to turn it into a great business, right? The painting's overvalued. You're buying the painting to prove that you can and then also down the line to sell it to another rich person who also wants to have the cachet to be able to point out how rich they are that they can afford effectively to pay, to bid for a pro sports franchise as well. One of the things I've learned, I'm a relatively new rich person. One of the things that I have learned is you never lose money selling or buying what rich people want. Super rich people make money faster than normal people. So things are always expensive, right? Like this idea, oh, this uh, this beach house was really cheap. No, no, the beach house was always expensive. But because a lot of rich people want a beach house, 
the property value of a beach house is going to increase faster than the property value is of a home in a middle-class neighborhood. So you don't go bankrupt buying assets that really rich people want. Just a little bit of advice from a newly rich guy to probably people who are not as rich. Eh, it's probably true. If you're richer than me, you've known this for a long time. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. couple of other stories that are out there. Apple, speaking of rich, is reportedly going to bid on the English Premier League rights in England. This is a big deal. And I wrote about this over Christmas break, but I think it's actually been under-discussed given its importance. Google slash YouTube went and bought the NFL Sunday ticket away from DirecTV. Uh, We have got Amazon now hosting Thursday night football this season with Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet. They took it away from Fox. Uh, We have got Apple investing and buying basically most of the MLS soccer rights in the United States. This would be a signature blow on behalf of Apple to further cement their investment. Of course, they made Ted Lasso, which is a very popular show. Uh, They would then further cement their investment in soccer by going and taking away the rights from the traditional linear networks. And this is why, and I encourage you to all go read uh, uh, my piece. You can just type in ESPN Clay Travis. This is why I think traditional sports rights are finally all moving away from the big tech companies sorry, from the big networks and moving to the big tech companies. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Apple has a substantial share, for instance, in the Pac-12 going forward. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Big 12 rights uh, end up down the line. SEC, everybody, I think you're going to see, even ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus, maybe one of these big tech companies comes around and buys it. I'm not sure how it ends up all shaking out, but this would be a signature moment because the English Premier League rights are valuable around the world, but for Apple to own it in England would be a massive statement, akin, I think, to how big the statement has been in the United States of Google slash YouTube buying the rights to the NFL Sunday ticket. Um, This story, I saw it and I thought I feel bad. Steven Spielberg, probably it's fair to say Steven Spielberg is the single most successful director of any of our lives. Putting in context how much range Steven Spielberg has, in the same year, he released Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. That may be the greatest year that any director has ever had. Now, I know that it probably bled into multiple different years, but to release Schindler's List and Jurassic Park during the same year is flat-out incredible. Um, so Steven Spielberg came out and he said he so was obsessed with Dr. Fauci and his COVID guidance that he bought into the idea that 
COVID was an extinction level event. This is a reality that is out there for far too many people. So many people out there around the world and certainly in America who were smart enough to know otherwise catastrophized and bought into the idea that was being sold by Dr. Fauci and other Fauciites. They bought into the fear porn. They bought into the Corona bros and they convinced themselves that the world was coming to a close and that COVID was going to be the reason why. And slowly you're seeing this all dialed back. I talked about yesterday how CNN suddenly had Lena Wynn on telling you that there was a difference between dying with COVID and dying of COVID. Do you know who's been telling you that? Me, for three years. That almost everyone dying who was counted as a COVID death was dying with COVID, not of COVID. And that was particularly true if you were young. Remember when I was coming out and I was saying, hey, turns out people dying with COVID have three or four comorbidities. You could have counted those deaths in a variety of different ways. Instead, you attributed them to COVID uh, because it fed the COVID fear porn narrative, which helped to elect Joe Biden. And now Democrats don't know how to turn it off. And I feel bad for a lot of these people. And if you wonder who these people are, they're the ones still wearing masks. Masks don't do anything. I talked about this on the radio show recently, but I was uh, traveling and I saw a two-year-old in the airport coming back from Salt Lake City in Utah and the mom was making the two-year-old keep a mask on. And I just, I was watching it. I was thinking to myself, this is clear child abuse. And I don't ever talk to other parents in terms of like, what are you doing with the parent decisions you're making? There's probably people watch me over the years think, oh my goodness, what in the world's Clay Travis doing from a parenting perspective? I think I'm a decent father. Um, but that's child abuse. And if I had seen that mom just wailing on her two-year-old beating that child, at some point I probably would have said, hey, you can't do that anymore. A part of me wanted to go up and just say, why is that two-year-old wearing a mask? You are inhibiting your child's ability to develop an actual immune system. But also your masking is nonsensical. What other aspects of life are you restricting this child from being involved in? These are all real questions that I think are important to ask. And if people as smart as Steven Spielberg, who is clearly a genius in some ways, maybe the greatest director of movies of all time, certainly one of the greatest directors of film in the 20th century, if he is buying into the idea that COVID is an extinction-level event, what in the world is going on that that could have ever been allowed to occur? Just something worth thinking about. And this ties in with what's going on in South Florida right now. Judge Mizell, thank God that she was appointed by Donald Trump to the district court in Florida. It was her April ruling that ended the COVID mask mandate on airplanes. Remember, the Biden administration never ended masks on airplanes. This was a decision that was made by a brave judge in Florida. Well, the Biden administration is appealing this now in the state of Florida. And the question is whether they have the authority, essentially, to overrule this federal district court judge. And if the Biden administration wins, I think they'll try to bring back masks on airplanes. Because I think their base is so desperate 
for masks to be back. Again, this is why I keep talking about this because some people say, why do you care? Just let them do whatever they want. That's no, 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 no. What they want to do is make you and me and everybody out there who is sane have to put a mask back on. They want to control your actions. And so we have to combat them with everything we've got. And that's why I would float out this idea. I just did it on the radio show. Um, You know, Ron DeSantis, thankfully, and the state of Florida, they've decided they're going to protect you from ever having COVID shot mandates, losing your jobs, all those things in the state of Florida. It's very important. I would also say, why not go ahead and advance legislation to forbid the requirement of masks inside of Florida airports? Uh, And, and I don't know what the legality on this would be, but to forbid masks on airplane flights that certainly take place inside the state of Florida. From other words, if you take off in Miami and you fly to Orlando, or if you fly Orlando to Jacksonville, or Tampa to Jacksonville, anywhere or where I live part of the year, up on the Florida Gulf Coast, Panama City Beach, and I fly down to Miami, if you're flying in-state in Florida, can you prohibit there ever being a mask requirement on airlines in-state? And then I think this is a more interesting question. If you are banning mask requirements anywhere in the state of Florida, can you also ban it in Florida airspace? In other words, could you have a situation where when you cross into Florida airspace, by Florida state law, they come on, the pilot does, and says, under Florida state law, you are now permitted to remove your mask if you would like. I think it's a fascinating question. I'm not an expert in air travel. I'm not an expert in interstate commerce as it pertains to air travel. But I know a lot of the people in the DeSantis administration, they're super smart. They're aggressive in combating encroachments on freedom. Why not go ahead and fight this battle? Because you know Joe Biden will do this and take back this power if he can. Just an idea. Um, Another big story that's out there. China's population has been announced to have declined. That is, China has told us that their population has declined for the first time in, I believe, 60 years. Um, And the expectation is China's population is going to plummet rapidly from, you you need, and this is no great surprise, a little bit over two children per couple in order to grow population, right? Two sustains it, a little bit over two grows it. China's at 1.19, I believe, is the most recent number. Of course, they had the one China population uh, requirement for a long time, and they're having a lot of difficulty getting anyone in China to have more than one child. And so, as a result, China has peaked as a global world power, and the China population is going to plummet rapidly. One of the reasons that's going to happen is the one-child China policy also led to a massive imbalance. There are far more men than there are women in China. And so in addition to the fact that women don't want to have that many children, that married couples there don't want to have that many children, uh, also there are far more men and there aren't enough women to have children with them. So this is important because it does two things. One, China's never going to catch the United States, I don't believe, in terms of becoming the biggest economy in the world. I really don't believe that they are because I think they've already peaked. Uh, China is an analogy to be made here, and I'm writing it in my most recent book. 
that China's a lot like Japan in the 80s. If you're around my age, you remember when the idea was, oh, Japan's going to pass the United States. It's going to end up being a bigger economy. And really, China hasn't grown very much as an economy. Sorry, Japan hasn't grown very much in like the last 40 years because it peaked also major population concerns inside of Japan. Population is declining. Economy is likely already peaked. It's growing slowly. They announced 3%. Probably means it was negative growth. Um, But my theory on China is we've entered the beer muscles era of China. You know how there are some guys out there that go out to the bar and get drunk and they suddenly become way more violent than they otherwise would be because they have a few drinks and they kind of bow up and they're looking for somebody to fight? We're in the beer muscle era of China where all of the insecurities and all of the inferiorities of the Chinese economic system are suddenly coming to root. And I believe that's why Taiwan's in so much danger. I think China recognizes, and I think this is what happened in Russia, Russia's on the decline in a big way, and that fear over your collapse actually leads you to beer muscle style, take more risks than you otherwise would in an effort to show that you are still a viable massive threat on the global scale that people have to respect you. And so even though China's on decline, I worry that the next decade or so is actually the most likely time for China to invade Taiwan because they're aware they're on decline and they feel like they need to do something big in order to be taken note of. That would make me a little bit nervous about what's going on in China. But don't mistake how big of a story this is. China's economy is not growing. I think it's actually contracting. They had to admit that uh, zero COVID, which we based all of our COVID response on, was wrong. Remember when all the Fauci's of the world were like, China handled this right. And then China finally just admitted, you know what, we got everything wrong because protests were breaking out. So I think that's significant. And also, population is going to decline. India is about to pass China. A lot of big business out there is now finding somewhere new to create their products. I think China's going to decline in a big way because their population is aging and they have now peaked as a threat. Doesn't mean they're not more dangerous for the next decade, but the biggest and baddest of China has already passed. Finally, a report out there from NBC that Trump has officially appealed at Facebook and wants control back of his Facebook page and that Trump is planning on a return to Twitter at some point in time in the near future. Now, I don't think that's great for Trump. I understand the argument that Trump being back on Twitter will allow him to dominate the news cycle. It will allow him to create stories that the media will chase him. All those things can be true. I also think the reason Trump lost was because he lost suburban white voters. Moms in particular. Women. They're not going to be impressed by Trump returning to Twitter. The winner in 2024, presuming Joe Biden is on the ballot, is going to win by making the case that Biden has failed. Trump on Twitter and Facebook makes Trump the story, which is exactly what Biden wants. If right now, Democrats got to pick who they ran against in 2024, they would pick Joe Biden against Donald Trump. I'm not saying 
that Democrats always get everything right. Far from it, because they wanted Trump to run in 2016 and they ended up losing. But if your adversary were able to select their opponent right now, Democrats want Trump and they want him bad. And I think Trump being back on Twitter actually works against his chances of winning in 2024 as opposed to in favor of his chances. All right. Love all of you. I believe I'll be on Fox News later today. Let me check and see. Um, And uh, look forward to all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been Outkick the Show.